This podcast is brought to you by Electric Power Systems. EPS is a leading provider of high-power, scalable powertrains that are certifiable for electrified aviation. It develops energy storage systems, DC fast charging stations, and electric propulsion products for aerospace, defense, automotive, marine, and industrial traction industries. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Aviation Renaissance with Spencer and Spencer. Today, we have a very special guest, doctor, PhD doctorate in chemical PhD. engineering, Dr. Jeffrey Belt. Dr. Jeffrey Belt. But before we get to Dr. Jeffrey Belt, we kind of want to give a shout out to some of our partners, Safran and Diamond, who we are partnered with for making the EDA-40. Not a DA-40, an EDA-40. Every, everything you love about the DA-40, but with the letter E in front. And also powered by electric batteries that EPS will produce. Please tell me that was the intended sound effect. or That was the that intended was? sound effect. Okay. Because right. that was a very cheesy intro. <laughs> On your part. <laughs> not my part. So I have something to say about the EDA-40. I was talking to uh, Mike. Henry Wait a second, Dr. Bell. Can jump in yet? He, no, he not yet. This, not is, yet. this is no, perfect. No. Okay, sorry. Dr. Jeffrey Belt, it's a pleasure to have you. Please tell us about yourself. <laughs> Okay, I got to tell you the story real quick. Okay, okay. Cool. yes, this here is, we go. This is more interesting than me. So I'm over by the airport, and I'm, I'm working on uh, my trailer, and I look up, and I hear, hear these aircraft, you know, as they land going into the, into the airport. And I look up, and I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it looks like a DA-40. And I go, hey, that's our DA-40. That's the one that EPS um, has. Mm-hmm. It's going to convert to electric. And then, like, it dawned on me. It's so very loud. <laughs> I'm standing on the ground. I'm like, well, this is really, really loud. And so I asked uh, Mike today, I said, hey, when we do the EDA-40, is it going to be quieter? And he's like, yeah, it, it's going to be a lot quieter. Did it fly directly over top of you? Yes. I mean, I looked oh, up. So not only was it loud, but all of those leaded fumes out of the av out, gas yes. all over top of you? I was thinking, yeah, I should hold my breath. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. But I thought, oh, that's so disappointing that it's so loud because it's not electrified yet. But it will be. Yeah. We're close. Yeah. We're very close. So, Jeff, so tell, tell us you, about yourself. Right. So I'll, um, I went to school at uh, Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, did a chemical engineering degree. And then when I graduated, I joined uh, Bipolar Technologies. And so that was my first foray into uh, batteries. We did lead-ass batteries, and uh, we started doing some lithium-ion batteries early on with uh, – uh, what should we say, like manganese spinels and cobalt oxide cathodes. Was this in school for your PhD? This was, actually, I, had, I hadn't finished yet, so I had an internship, effectively, where uh, undergraduate work, um, I was still going to BYU. I know, but where was your internship? Oh, at uh, the Bipolar Technologies, oh. doing this battery work. Okay. And we had a contract to do, um, to do some battery work for General Motors on their EV1, which used to be called the Impact, which is a really funny name for a car. <laughs> Somebody in marketing was wrong. like, hey, maybe we shouldn't call it the impact. Remember the, the Pinto? Mm. <laughs> or the Ooh. Fiero? You remember those? There's yeah. too many. There's yeah. too many to count. Yeah. But EV1, that was the first uh, program I worked on. Got a nice shirt from General Motors. It was kind of funny. Um, never wore it when I, wor- when I went to work at Ford. It was just kind of 
it's frowned upon. You're wearing a Ford shirt now, and you work for Electric Power Systems. You're he's, not. He's a that. he's a career behind. <clears throat> is where he's at. Oh, yeah. okay. That's where he's at. I wore my gotcha. EPS shirt yesterday. I only have three of them, so I'm just glad you're wearing a shirt today. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> okay, so you're done with school. Okay, you you get your PhD. Nope, I oh. did my undergraduate at BYU. Oh, um, worked at Bipolar Technologies for about three years, doing uh, battery work there. Then I went to the Idaho National Lab where we did. Um, lithium-ion battery work for the Department of Energy. Mm-hmm. And so while I was there, we put together multiple uh, battery test manuals, like the PHV manual, um, ultra-capacitor manual, 42-volt start-stop, uh, so on and so forth. And from there, my boss recommended that I go get a master's degree. And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, Are you going to pay for it? <laughs> of course they paid for it. <laughs> nice. I like That's it. the kicker. Yeah, <laughs> good. So good. yes, did, the, my, did my master's at uh, when I was at Idaho. I was there for about 14 some odd years, and then I started my PhD work, and in between finishing the PhD, I went to Ford Motor Company, and I did PHEV batteries for uh, for Ford for five years. So I know you and I have talked a little bit about what your dissertation was for your PhD. Uh, Let's yes. tell our listeners what it was, because it's pretty interesting. And, well, I was going to say, make it interesting. No, yeah, it's, a, it's pretty my interesting. My first time listening to this. Yeah, yeah. it was a unique um, dissertation, I thought, and... I had to go back and forth with my with my advisor. Many people may not know, but when you do a dissertation, it has to be quote unquote novel. Mm. And that is sometimes difficult. If you're just, you know, if you're repeating some of the same tests and doing the same characterization over and over again, um, all the cells that we were testing were proprietary at the time. And so we, uh, we couldn't publish any of that. Um, but I did have a friend who worked for Qualion and he said, hey, I can hook you up with some really nice Sanyo cells. And they were like 1.2 amp hour um, SA cells, high power, mm-hmm. um, cylindrical. And I thought I could actually do some work on that. So in relative size to an 18650. Yeah, it is an 18650, exactly. Okay. But you notice 1.3 amp hours, it was, it was much smaller than the 3 amp hour 18650 size cell in terms of capacity sure. that we have today that's like in the Tesla. Okay. Um, so that was, that was important. He, gave, he sold me a couple hundred of those cells. And then I used those to evaluate a new tester that we had and the, the PHV battery test manual. So that's how I did, I did some of this work for, for DOE. And in that process of doing calendar and cycle life, I also um, partitioned off a couple cells to do reference electrode work. And so for ret- reference electrode, um, many times when you take a voltmeter and you measure a cell, you're mes- measuring the positive electrode versus the negative electrode. Right. Um, if you could separate those and say, well, what is my positive contribution and what is my negative contribution? Inserting a lithium metal reference electrode into the cell is what helps you do that. So um, I took a brand new cell and then we aged a bunch of cells at uh, cycle life and calendar life at high temperatures, like 60 degrees. What, like a dry age on a good chunk of meat? Yeah, yeah. And and then when I cut it open, oh, it's just, I mean, it's Ooh. delicious. You got that jelly roll out of Probably the inside of that good. cell? Unfortunately, I couldn't smell anything because when you cut open the cell, it has to be in a glove box. Oh, sure. So it's kind of like, it's like, like, wow, there would be that sweet smell of the electrolyte that would be coming off, kind of like a, a nice apple pie. Mm. Mm. Are, yeah. Do electrolytes like smell sweet they do they smell like uh, apple pie they kind of smell like apple pie a little bit Mm -hmm. when you smell them you go "Hmm, that's not so bad (laughs) so the smell's not so bad but all of the fumes that you're breathing in is killing you slowly you wouldn't want to eat it It, it's one of those things you know that it's frowned upon kind of like (laughs) a like a good smelling chapstick 
Uh, right? It smells good. You bite into it. Tastes terrible. Oh. Wait a minute. Are you telling me you have bitten into a good-smelling chapstick? I can't confirm or deny oh, okay. that. I thought you were going to ask if he's bitten into a good-smelling battery. No, um, I might have done that with there. a... Uh, Smell that one. <laughs> oh, here we go. That, Dr. Jetzelt has some chapstick here. We got some Blistex Orange Mango Blast. I had a friend give that to me, and I was like, I want to eat that. That's probably the best stuff ever. That's good stuff. And so when I see it in Walmart, I go, yeah, I think I'll buy like mm, 10 of those. <laughs> so... So back to reference electrodes. Yeah. So what you do is um, on the bottom of an 18650 cell on the negative uh, side. Which is the? Which is the anode, technically, when you're doing discharge. Sure. Fun fact, um, I was doing an interview with uh, SpectraPower, which was um, Rayoback at the time, and kind of early on in my career, and I mentioned, you know, that the lead-acid battery, you have a positive and you have a negative. You have a cathode and anode. Mm -hmm. And he goes, he goes, is it always the cathode and anode? And I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah, of course it is. Like, what else are you going to call it? And he's like, well, that's really only in discharge mode. When you're in charge mode, they switch. So the the lead oxide, which is normally referenced as the cathode, and the lead, the porous lead is the is the anode. When you do charging, I think that's the way it works. I'll have to correct me. Um, but then they switch. So one becomes, you know, what the lead oxide becomes the anode. Sure. The other is the is the cathode. Does that work the same way in lithium ion? It does. So most people, in order to be technically correct, you call the cathode, like your um, your metal oxides, your positive electrode. Sure. And then your negative, it would be a graphite, and that would be, that's technically your anode in that case. So I was down at the Utah Aeronautics Conference, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. We had a lot of people coming up and, and asking about lithium ion and technologies within lithium ion and who are our suppliers are, um, and they didn't really understand the composition of a lithium ion cell. Okay. Be it a pouch cell or a cylindrical cell. And from our conversations at work, I was able to explain to them um, compositions of what it is. But in non-PhD doctor terms... In ooh, layman's terms, he got intimidated sure, by that. that give me <laughs> right? the hard question right off. Like, can, can we just can we jump to the can, where I worked? No, I finished my PhD no, and no, I worked uh-uh. at Ford, nope. and then I worked at EPS. No, we're deep into this question. Okay, yeah, no, we're going to stop it. Deep into try it to get away from this. So, um, I think a lot of people that are not involved in this industry has a misconception of what an actual lithium-ion battery is composed of. Like when they look at their cell, they go, "Yeah, that thing like works. <laughs> it's and full I have of to lithium." Yeah, well, it's they, full of lithium. They, they tell ion. me it's full of lithium. Yeah, they don't right. actually know if it's true or not. Right. It is full of lithium, but the real question we we used to get this question all the time when I was at the Idaho National Lab is when you're shipping a lithium ion cell, there can only be so much actual lithium metal content. That's that stuff can be fairly dangerous. Um, a normal lithium ion cell just has lithium ions, not in metallic form, but in ionic form. That it, it normally transfers back and forth between your positive electrode and your negative electrode. On and charge those, and discharge. And those are made of what? So the, the cathode or the positive electrode is often made of metal oxide. So you can use cobalt. Um, you can use nickel. You can use blends of nickel, manganese, cobalt. There's also manganese, which is a spinel. And so the, the, um, there's even, uh, what's LFP, lithium iron uh, phosphate, mm-hmm. can also function as a cathode. And I have books at work. We could look in there and see you know, 20 or 30 or maybe 100 different types of cathodes that could be used. But obviously, 
the highest specific energy and um, the highest uh, specific power are kind of the key critical components and also cost, you know. Sure. Um, so, so what's your anode made out of then? So our anode, we not, use... Not specifically ours, but... Ours, in, it's in, a metal oxide, okay. just like you would expect. So when you have a metal oxide and you put... You actually build the lithium into it. So you... When you mix up your metal oxide, you also, um, you know, however it comes from the materials, they incorporate the lithium into it, um, either from a lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide. Ironically, they're actually, um, there's two companies that are extracting lithium carbonate from the Great Salt Lake right now. Ooh. Yeah. So in percentage-wise, how much, how much lithium percentage-wise is actually in a cell compared to other metal oxides? I don't actually know off the top of my head. I stumped a PhD in terms of in terms of percentage because <laughs> yeah. what I calculate is amp hours. Sure. So a certain amount, like you know, molar quantity or weight quantity, is going to equate to a certain amount of amp hours in the cell. And so, what I really care about—I don't really care about how much lithium is in there. I care about how much lithium I can transfer back and forth on charge and discharge. And sure. more importantly, I'm less import, I'm less in, uh, interested in charge and more interested in discharge. Because sure. when you plug in your phone, you don't go, oh, my gosh, let's see how fast I can charge it. Okay, maybe you do. <laughs> but you don't go, you know what, I'm going to see how much energy I put in this baby. I don't want to run my power bill up too high. Sure. But then when you get done and you unplug it, you go, I hope that I have enough energy to last through the day. Or and that would be your days. depth of discharge. Yes, and capacity. So capacity is related to energy, mm -hmm. necessarily. Um, capacity is based on coulombs of energy. Okay, we've kind of sidetracked a little bit. Coulombs of energy. Coulombs. That's going to be my band name. Isn't that isn't oh. that the name of the show, like Sidetrack? Well, that's going to be the side name. Sidetracking Spencer's <laughs> that, That's not very hard to do. That's the name easy. of this episode is going to be Coulombs of Energy. Coulombs of Energy. I'm going to need you to spell that out for me because I'm not smart enough to figure it <laughs> out course. on my own. So... Let's uh, just kind of skip ahead a little bit. So you're you're done with your PhD. You, you should probably know what coulombs are. Oh, we're going back, to right? This. Coulombs is is amps per second. Oh, that's not bad. I did not know that, but now I amps know it. Amps per second of mm -hmm. energy, coulombs. How do you spell that? Let's just do it now. Uh, C O C O L C O L O U M B. There's a B in there. Okay. Yeah. Coulomba. I'm not going to remember that, but I'm glad Me you either, spelled it. But that's impressive. We didn't stump the PhD on no. that one. Google's the hopefully, thing. Hopefully that's correct enough for the listeners, right? Well, it's, everyone's going to hear it now. So if <laughs> yeah, it's no. wrong, it'll be forever. It'll be, forever, it'll be yeah. wrong forever. We'll be able to figure it out. And talk to my old professor. So yes, I finished my PhD when I was uh, when I joined Ford. Um, most, of the, most of my dissertation work was, of course, done at the Idaho National Lab and their support. And they pretty much paid for all the research and the classes. By the way, that's probably the best way to get a PhD. Not to have somebody to, else pay for, for it. Free? Exactly, yeah. Free? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What for do they free. call it? Other people's money? Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, I think yeah, I just yeah. know the word free. You know? Yeah, free works. You yeah. hear yeah. that, yeah. yeah. Free stuff. Right. When they say there's no such actually, thing as a free lunch. not necessarily free. Uh-oh. You actually got paid to get your PhD. Oh, yeah. Bomb. Yeah. Bomb so diggity. that's like double mm -hmm. free. Bomb free diggity. squared. Yeah. And then I turned it in. Well, I turned my master's uh, thesis into the DOE as a report. Mm-hmm. And they were like, this is like one of the best reports you've ever done. And I said, yeah, it's a thesis. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, I put more effort into it. That's what you're supposed to do. So, right. Yeah. Okay. So Ford pays for your PhD. They paid for a little bit as well. Um, okay. 
INL paid for a lot of the classes. Sure. Um, but the novelty, of course, was inserting a reference electrode into a cell to see what the what the degradation was. Is it the positive electrode or the negative electrode that was degrading? In in our case, it turned out it was actually the the positive electrode. And most people think it's the negative electrode, um, lithium plating and, and you know SEI growth, those kinds of things. But uh, our research in we looked at four different cells, and that was the case in every one of the cells. And this is where you had to very carefully drill into yeah. an 18650. Yeah, exactly. And not put it into thermal runaway. Yep. And uh, if anybody out there listening knows about damage to lithium-ion cells and everything, that's not a small feat to be able to do. And you can just look on YouTube and see all the folks that try to put a nail gun into an 18650 oh. or try to put a screw into it. Right. And, and there's a massive pop. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You get some fireworks. So I talked to our friends at Sandia National Labs, who they were kind of the experts on thermal runaway at the time. And I said, hey, what's going to happen if, if I actually put this cell into thermal runaway inside of the glove box? And they said, well, it's happened to us. And what you see is just a big poof black, uh, you know, mm -hmm. smoke and it fills, but it's not going to combust. There's no oxygen in there. Not, not, not a lot. It's not going to just burn and run away. And like, you know, you would see normally. Sure. So when I did the, uh, when I did the insertion of course, uh, at the INL, we had some kind of a x-ray type of advice where we could look at the bottom and there's actually the negative tab comes down the, the electrode and then comes across the bottom kind of right. in a, a T-shape almost. And you can look in the x-ray and say, this is where the tab is and where it's welded on the bottom. We'd mark that, and then i drill anywhere where that tab was not. Because mm -hmm. you don't want to drill through the tab. How many times did you drill and fail before you got it right? Never. Dang. Oh, I don't even know what that means. Never. So I had, I had it a good means friend. it was first time go. Yeah. yeah. I had a good friend that um, I said, hey, what I'd like to do is I'd like to drill into the bottom of one of these cells. And they need to do it in a safe way because sure. at a national lab, everything is is, try, is done with safety in, in mind. And so they put together this drilling machine. So you would you'd put your cell in, it was almost like a machining collet. Mm -hmm. And so it would kind of hold it nice and tight. And then you would put it in upside down and the drill would come up from the bottom. And so I had mirrors, you could see the drill bit. And it was actually a brad point bit that um, they'd cut off the brad point, mm -hmm. and it was just kind of hollow. And so it would just kind of score the bottom of the of the cell. Sure. And it would take probably about 10 or 15 minutes at a very, very slow rate to just kind of score and cut into the, into the can. And once you cut into the can, it was kind of funny because we had magnetized the drill bit and the, and the whole assembly below. Nine times out of 10, if you didn't go too fast, it would actually that little plug and it would pop down on the drill bit because it was magnetic hmm. and then you're like hey what do you know i'm in the cell now <laughs> <laughs> perfect and if you drilled a little bit too far this was what i was worried about do i start drilling into um the electrodes or do i hit separator or does electrolyte just come spewing out like crazy none of that happened turns out there's a little small um plastic plug at the bottom i don't know i'm not sure how thick it'd be maybe 20 or 30 pieces of paper thick, but mm -hmm. you could see little shards of that plastic also come out next. And and the funny thing was the first time I saw that, I'm like, oh, what what's going on here? Oh, no. I pulled it out, I Crisis. looked at it, and I'm like, oh, there's a little plug there. I've got to drill through that if I want to reach the separator. I've got to drill through it to smell the apple pie. 
Oh, if only, you know, you, you're right there. The glass is right there, and you, you have the, the cell, and you're like, if only I could smell it. Right. It would be luscious. <laughs> and delicious. So you okay. drill through the plug, and then on the other side, it's almost like you're looking at a loose um, ream of paper inside. Mm-hmm. So all the separators are all lined up. You can't see any electrode at all, actually. So at that point, you take the cell, you flip it upside down. So now the hole is, is pointing up towards the ceiling. And then we had these, um, they're like little sample vials. Mm-hmm. I had no idea where I grabbed them. Somebody said, hey, what about these? Do these work? And I'm like, yes, give me a handful of those. And I used those, and they perfectly fit into that hole. You could literally like screw it in there, and then it would hold in place. And it wouldn't, uh, it provide like a, a leak-proof seal, pretty much. Nice. So then you take your electrolyte, which smells really good inside the, the, um, the glove box. You pour some electrolyte in. You have a lithium, um, actually it was a nickel wire, a little thin nickel wire that we pounded some lithium onto. And then you just dump that into the, the cup, if you will. And then when you c- connect everything up to like a make or tester, you can now see a voltage difference between your positive electrode and your lithium and your lithium electrode and the, the negative electrode. So now when I run like a hybrid pulse power characterization or a capacity test, now I can see that the positive electrode contributes this much energy and the negative contributes this much energy. And when you put them together, you get the full cell energy. Hashtag science. Yeah. Hashtag science. <laughs> oh, oh. That's a great explanation, Thank Dr. You. That's, Bell. Thank that's you. what work. Coulombs will get you. Coulombs. Yeah, we're just Coulombs tracking of energy. Coulombs. Yep. Okay, so you're done with all of your fancy PhD work, and you go to work to Ford. Well, after I did a, after I did all the work at INL, mm-hmm. then I left and I did the write up when I was at Ford. Okay, how so, long were you at Ford? Five years. And what did you do there? I did battery electric vehicles. I worked on the um, the full hybrid electric vehicles, like the Fusion and the C Max. They mm-hmm. had a, a hybrid option, and then I transferred uh, towards the end. I was working plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. So PHEV batteries for both the C-Max and the Fusion. So were you, you came to electric power systems from Ford? Nope. Um, so while I was at Ford, Cummins called me up and they said, hey, That's we're doing right. some electric buses. Ayo. Oh, no, actually, they didn't tell me what they wanted. They said, hey, would you like to join Cummins? And I said, um, you guys know you make diesel engines? <laughs> diesel, diesel trucks. Diesel. And I'm a battery engineer. <laughs> I mean, I, I know how diesel <laughs> works, but I'm not a diesel engine kind of guy. Right. And like, yeah, yeah, we know. Um, turns out that a large percentage of the diesel bus market was owned by Cummins. Oh. They provide, they make the engines. And so they realized that they needed to get into the electric bus market in order to maintain um, basically a profitability and, and sure. continuing to sell product in that market. So, so are there any electric buses on the road operating right now from Cummins? Um, I think there are. Uh, we had a deal with the Santa Monica, the Santa Monica Authority, and they were doing a, a transit bus made off of the Gillick frame. Mm. So, and there's also there's also another one, a school bus that we um, from a company that we that Cummins had purchased brought in as well. They were doing a, a Bluebird um, configuration. So you're working with Cummins. Oh yeah, that's a fun story. What? So, so Cummins, I'm working wholly on this bus area. Um, nothing really to do with outside projects. And I was probably the only person in the company that the battery guys knew about that was working on a separate um, uh, separate deal with EP Systems sure. to build a battery. And they said, hey, we need you to go out and review this battery for, for Cummins and tell us if EP Systems is going to be a good supplier for us. 
And since I wasn't involved in the program, you know, a little bit uh, separated from that process. So I come out to uh, come out to Logan, and it's funny. I've lived in and around this area for most of my life. Sure. And this is the first time, you know, being old enough to remember driving into Cache Valley. Wow. And I was like, I was like, wow, this place is nice. <laughs> and you know, when you say that, you say you say to yourself, I would live here. Oh. I would totally live. Here. I mean, how many times have you come to a place and said, I would live here. This is mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, quite a few you times. Know? Yeah. There's places where you come into and you go, huh. This is, ah, it just is. I'm not sure I would live here. <laughs> so that that was uh, that was Cummins uh, oversight, right? They send you up here right. to Electric yep. Power Systems, and uh oh, now uh, you're at Electric and Power now Systems. Now he's here. Yeah, so I review the program. Um, we looked at the battery. We went up to the university to look at some of the testing, and uh, it was just kind of a day trip. Um, we actually ate lunch right down here at the the Mexican. Cafe um, Sabor. Yeah, yep. Cafe Sabor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty funny. When, every time I drive by it, I go, well, that's right. That's where... Uh, that's where I got recruited. No, that's, that's where I had that, that nice burrito. Lovely. That, that's <laughs> where I was courted by electric yeah. power systems. <laughs> so I go back to Cummins and uh, give them my report. And then um, I don't know how much longer it was. Maybe it's like three months. Maybe it's four months later. But Nate Millicum sends me this posting. Um, Nate is the CEO. We probably talked about him. I'm very know. aware who yeah, the you, CEO you know who of the is. company is. Yeah. <laughs> Remind, remind the listeners, right? There you go. <laughs> well, he had to back away from the mic. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> that's good. That's good mic etiquette. I got in. And I'm impressed. Yeah. You know, good. I try. Sometimes yeah. I breathe and do it. And I don't care. Good for you. So Nate sent me the posting on Indeed, and I looked at it, and I'm like, wow. Um, the first thing I thought of is, well, it's for a battery fellow, and for most people, they go, oh, like just like some regular fellow. Well, in, in bigger companies, I know, in bigger companies, there's a fellows organization yep, like yep. IBM, um, Boeing. Yeah. And so they are kind of like the technical leaders in, in the organizations. But normally fellows are only in like large companies. Mm-hmm. I think Boeing's estimates is like one to one and a half um, percent are actually fellows in the company. So it's fairly small. Well, we don't, I, I mean, there's you and Mike Armstrong. I believe David Christensen has his PhD as well. Well, it's not even about PhD. It's just more about... It's technical excellence yeah, is what like they say. To be a fellow at Boeing is a, it's a very extensive process because yeah. they have associate oh. technical fellows. Right. And then they have technical fellows, and I've met some of them. But to be a technical fellow at a Boeing is... You're, you're, you did it. You succeeded. Maybe I'll get to the fellow phase. Right no, now no, I'm just well, a feller. You're, yeah, we're just a bunch of fellers. <laughs> we're just when we go home fellers. at night, we're just fellers. You're, you're uh, a specialist. You're right. special. Yeah, that's that's the truth. But I thought to myself, I'm not really a battery fellow kind of a guy. I'm more of a battery engineer. Sure, I'll I'll pin my my hat on that or sure. hang my hat on that one, no problem. But I thought, sure. And I started looking at the uh, the requirements, and I'm like, that looks interesting. That looks really interesting. And uh, I guess to go to, um, to add to this, one of the most interesting things when I saw this posting is that. Uh, Previous to that, I had been at a, a battery show conference out in uh, Novi, Michigan. And this battery show is all about automotive. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to remember the gentleman's name. He was the CTO of CATL at the time. Um, and we happened to be chatting. And, and he gave a presentation on how electrification was moving into aviation. And this was kind of like mind-blowing. Because I'm, okay, the whole time, you know, 20-some-odd years, 25-some-odd years, it's all been all about automotive sure. and electrification from the very beginning of my career until now. Never had I thought, wow, are batteries good enough to like take off in an airplane? 
And would I want to fly on one of those? So that was the moment I thought, huh, they're actually doing something kind of interesting. And so some of the things I saw that EP Systems was doing is that they were looking at thermal runaway. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that with the cell that um, when I when I drilled into it, I wanted to avoid thermal runaway. That's, right. that's key. <laughs> so one of the, the main... Um, we call it technologies that EP Systems offers and provided to the X-57 aircraft was a thermal, uh, was a battery module design that could contain thermal runaway. So there's a couple nice uh, videos I've shown presentations where we actually put an 18650 into thermal runaway inside the case and the whole case doesn't blow up like you'd expect. Right. It just handles it. It just, it kind of sits there. It gets hot. You vent some gases, but the battery actually continues to work. And that kind of blew me away because in almost every case I've ever seen, nobody ever tries to control thermal runaway because you can't. And we don't either. We just manage it. That's right. Well, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit. So that's where the, the distinction is between the automotive and the uh, aerospace industry. Right. Right. You're driving your electric vehicle on the side of the highway and, and it goes into a thermal <clears throat> runaway event. You stop the vehicle. You get out, you walk away from it, and it burns down. Right. I mean, one of the most famous ones can't was, really do that in an airplane. I mean, you can step out, but you have to make sure you got a you got a parachute. All your passengers. <laughs> Did you have like parachute. how casually he said, "Well, you can step I'm out. Well, you yeah, can. You, you can get out." I mean, but this is engineering. This right. is all science. <laughs> this, you know? His brain did not skip a beat. He mm-hmm. said, "No, you can." <laughs> Just you know, it's, you gotta it's have, not advisable. You need the math of the the parachute. You need to put right. the liability and mm-hmm. risk that you're probably gonna die. But you can. You can, but that's also why we do rigorous testing to be able to control thermal runaway in a in a manner that will even if it does have that event, it will allow you to get down to the ground safely before yep. something happens. Well, so in our manage. discussions in our discussions yeah. with the FAA, mm-hmm. they like to see that you provide safety to the passengers. That's always important. Right. And to the structure, the aircraft structure. And so they'd like to see that you can, you know, if you have a thermal runaway event on an aircraft, you can actually land safely. Right. And then all of the passengers and pilot can exit. They have about a 15-minute window to get off. And then they're kind of the same opinion. If your aircraft then burns to ground, burns to the ground, just like a Tesla um, does or other um, EVs, then that's fine with them. Right. As long as the people are standing there and they've brought their marshmallows. Yeah. I don't know that I would want to roast a marshmallow over a lithium ion fire. That's well, an apple, know. it's an apple I, flavored it's an apple flavored marshmallow. <laughs> okay, is, yeah. go back to that. It's kind of like roasting. <laughs> have you ever been to like a big bonfire? You uh, know, one of those that's like you know, like you know, five or six or ten feet high and it's whoa. you know yeah. five or ten feet in diameter. Okay, you don't roast marshmallows on a fire. You like try that. not to burn off. You get your up eyebrows. close and you're like you're like I've gotten close to. Big I'm gonna ones. get a sunburn if I <laughs> yes. stay any closer. It's, it's a fire burn. Had those before, and you go, "Wow!" Like, why is the right side of my face more red than the other? I Ooh. actually had one of those when I was on the bomb squad in uh, El Paso, Texas. We had 235 five-inch Zuni rocket motors that we had to get rid mm. of, and so instead of just blowing them all up, we took the propellant out. And it's a solid stick propellant out of that Zuni rocket motor, and we just made this giant pile of rocket propellant. Ooh, and that would I drew, be fun. I drew the short stick. Literally, I drew the short stick, and I had a stick, and I lit it on fire, and then I walked up to the rocket propellant and lit it on fire. And it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I stood there and watched it. I had my Oakley sunglasses because that's what cool people in the Army wear. Oakley. 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 <laughs> 
not sponsored. <laughs> um, and we I love him. had love him. the worst sunburn after I was done. And, and it was an Oakley white band across yeah. your oh, eyes. Oh, it definitely a little was. So I would definitely like to consider continue this conversation yes. further. So we are definitely going to have Doctor Jeffrey Belt. Jeffrey Belt on again. Plums <laughs> of energy. Um, mainly because. Yeah, we're already oh, done man. with our 30 we, minutes, we man. We barely got through my, my career. I just I barely joined EP Systems, huh? I know. <laughs> I know. Tune in for next time, part two. <laughs> Doctory. 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 Doctor. That's good. Then I can correct Jeffrey. anything I may have missed. That's mistake. true. Uh, you yeah. know, let's edit this, edit that. <laughs> oh, no, there's <laughs> well, no it's, editing. It's staying it in there. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, done. And staying we'll in. just go ahead and uh, close it out here. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Great conversation. We'll just do another shout out to our partners, Diamond and Safran. On the EDA40, you can rewind it and go back to listen to Dr. Belt talk about how loud the DA40 is. And what about an EDA62? I like it. Tune in next time. But thank you, listeners. Go ahead and subscribe. Give us a rating. Uh, We appreciate it, and we'll tune in next week. This podcast was brought to you by Electric Power Systems. EPS is a leading provider of high-voltage, high-power, certifiable electric power systems for high-reliability applications. Its mission is to power transportation's electric renaissance by providing smarter, safer, more reliable, lighter, and certifiable batteries.